Welcome back. This is Narcissism Part 2. So where we left off was on the very last part of emotional abuse. We were on the, I think we were on number 9, what just happened. So let me uh, clarify that a little more. You will spend so much time, hours, days, weeks, obsessing over arguments you have with these people. You'll feel like you're exhausted, you're emotionally drained, and you'll feel like all the energy you put into trying to resolve an issue has accomplished absolutely nothing. You'll have a million pre-planned arguments in your head ready to respond to all these unaddressed points that you just couldn't keep up with. Because they throw out the word salad. They throw out stuff that makes no sense. They throw out accusations about things that have nothing to do with the issue you're trying to talk about. And sometimes they'll even accuse you of verbally abusing them when you say something like, I wish I felt like you heard me when I talk because it's as if I'm not even talking. And they'll they'll come back with a loud voice and tell you, I'm tired of you ganging up on me and verbally abusing me when in fact all you're trying to do is express your feelings but you know when when your feelings towards them are not praiseful positive if it's something you you would like for them to work on or if or if you're trying to call them out for hurting you they're not going to have any part of that they'll accuse you of of being um, delusional abusive etc. You'll feel the need to defend yourself. You'll feel the need to to serve justice. Um, Don't bother. Don't bother because it's not going to happen. They will never apologize to you. Um, You'll also try to come up with some diplomatic solutions, you know, and, and you'll say, I own my part in this issue. And And I will make the necessary changes to ensure it doesn't happen again. And then you'll sit there and wait for them to do the same. But they're not going to do that. Um, In the end, you're going to find that you're the only one apologizing. And they'll tell you, okay, I forgive you. (laughs) I forgive you. When you're still waiting to be able to forgive them. But you can't because they refuse to own their part. So you might be thinking, how in the hell did I get duped by a narcissist? How in the hell did I get here? I'm smart. I have a good heart. I'm a good person. How the hell did I not see this? You may be thinking you're stupid. You may be thinking, honey, you are not stupid. You are not stupid. They target us. They target people like us who are healthy, functioning adults. They target you because you have a huge, beautiful heart. You are a fighter. You fight for what you believe in and you don't throw people in the trash. You try to help them. You try to lift them up and you're not one to give up on people because you have so much love in your heart. You have so much empathy. And maybe in your past, maybe in your childhood, you were wounded, you were traumatized. We, most of us were to varying degrees, some worse than others. But the difference between us and the narcissist is that we have empathy. We have a big, beautiful heart full of empathy. And the people that have empathy grow up to become altruistic. They take their pain and they turn it around. You know, for example, if you were physically abused as a child and never allowed to talk about your feelings and it hurt and you felt shut down and you felt insignificant, and you felt like just a whipping boy. If you have an empathic, altruistic heart and you're a resilient person, sometimes we're born with it. 
sometimes we learn it from one person who believed in us. But whatever the case, as an adult, when you have a child, you will not beat your child because you don't want to ever inflict the pain you've been through onto another human. And you might sit down with your child and say, how are you feeling? It's okay if you're mad. It's okay if you feel scared. It's okay. Talk to me. And you'll help your child process their feelings instead of shutting them down. The narcissist, on the other hand, perhaps was not born with empathy or it was beaten out of them to the point where their resilience died and their soul just died, you know? So they repeat the patterns, only magnify it by a (laughs) hundred. They'll repeat the patterns. So they choose us because it's like an employer will choose the best candidate for the job, making sure that They get the person who's going to think outside of the box, get the job done, fight for their position, um, be loyal to the company. They want absolute loyalty. They want you to be on top of things. They want you to take care of your work and theirs, you know? So it's the same with the narcissist. They choose people who they can tell have been wounded. They recognize that wounded soul. But they also recognize that resilience and that heart and that empathy, and they feed on it. So, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. So that's why they chose you. They didn't choose you because you're a stupid loser who's easily duped. Okay, so if you have been telling yourself that, it's time to reframe that thought and remind yourself of what a badass you really are. You are a wonderful, warm beautiful human being and you were preyed upon by a monster it's not your fault so don't take that blame give it up and put it where it belongs on the monster who duped you okay so moving on with um the psychopath free book it says so how did they do it how did they lure us in so in the love bombing phase it's easy to lure us in because They become everything we've ever wanted. A great example of this is a song by Henry Rollins, and it's called Liar. If you have been in a relationship with a narcissist, go listen to Henry Rollins, the song Liar. It will give you goosebumps because you'll know, you'll know exactly what that song's about. It it perfectly describes the narcissist way of thinking. So um, in the love bombing phase, the relationship is like nothing you have ever experienced. These people latch onto you and in turn you latch onto them. You're swept off your feet. You're lost in the greatest sex of your life. You're lost in this fantasy of this beautiful, beautiful person who you didn't even think existed other than in romance novels. (laughs) This person dotes on you. They, They wipe away your deepest insecurities. They give you hope that you've never had in other people. This person is just above and beyond all expectations of the perfect mate. They're too perfect. But when we're having that passionate sex three or four times a day with this person and the oxytocin is releasing that bonds us to this person and the love sparking through our neurons firing through our brain like a drug literally like a drug the hormones that rage through (coughs) hold on my dog is barking sorry the hormones that run through your brain when you are in love are just like a drug they ignite the same reward centers as a drug or if you're gambling and you win a huge jackpot of six thousand dollars right that elation it's the same and we become hooked on it um 
the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning is this person. You're waiting for their cheerful, funny texts, and you quickly find yourself planning a future with them. Because after all, they're your soulmate, right? Everything they learned about you in the beginning, the love bombing phase, they want to know about your childhood, your family, your your past jobs, your past relationships. They want to know everything, right? And it's interesting. They love the same foods you love. They love the same songs you love. Every They have every single thing in common with you. And it's just unreal because it is unreal. But you don't, you're not thinking straight because you're falling in love hard with a fantasy. And you start planning your future with them. You forget the dull realities of life. Nothing matters anymore. It's like the whole world goes away and you're just obsessed with this person. You're just in la-la land, like your first love when you're 16. And it's beautiful. And you've never felt this good. And while all this is going on in your heart and in your mind, they're thinking about something else. Their thought process is something more along the lines of, oh good, it's working. They never really feel what they display. They might look at you with a big wolfish grin and say, I love you so much. I never loved anyone before you. Oh God, this is the most beautiful thing. And they know that the more they put you up on a pedestal, the harder you're going to fall. Some of them are consciously aware of it, and some of them are, are um, only aware of it in their subconscious. Um, love bombing is the first step in grooming you. It's a grooming phase. And it breaks down your guard. It unlocks your heart. The chemicals change your brain. You become addicted. They are constantly flattering you. They're constant. Your insecurities, like say you have a C-section scar that you're very insecure about, they will kiss it lovingly up and down the scar, little tiny kisses, and they'll tell you how beautiful it is. Um, if you're insecure because you're, you have... A small chest they'll tell you big breasts are disgusting sacks of fat yours are perfect I love them if you're a man she might tell you you have the most beautiful genitalia she's ever seen and it's something you've been insecure about so you're like oh my god I have to keep her she loves it so they'll 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 go on and on and on with the flattery and you don't ask why because it just feels good you know they feed you constant praise and attention on your phone on social media in your email they write you love notes and within just within just a very short time maybe even a couple weeks you guys will have pet names for each other you have your own little inside jokes you have cute little songs you listen to together and looking back you 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 see how insane the whole thing was. Looking back on that relationship now, you say, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> and you, you can look back and see the red flags, you know, after, after I read off all the red flags and the emotional abuse tactics and all the information from Joe Navarro and what to expect when you're with somebody like that, there are red flags pinging all through your brain, I'm sure. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. So your hindsight and these red flags are your new shield of armor, okay? Now, aside from gifts and poems, the narcissist will use a variety of brainwashing techniques too to win you over. And um, this is during the love bombing process and there are six major points the book points out. So we, I talked about this a second ago. We have so much in common we see the world the same way. We have the same sense of humor. We're both empaths. We're always trying to help people. We're perfect together. Um, they will repeatedly drill these points home, going as far as saying, you are me in the opposite sex. You are an extension of me. We are one. 
and it's not even creepy. It just feels amazing. Like, oh my gosh, this is what I've always wanted, you know? So you eventually start thinking they're the only person you're ever going to meet who's this similar to you. And you're right because it is flat out impossible and freaking creepy for two people to be identical like that. It, it's just, it's not real. Um, normal people have a lot of differences and that's what makes our life interesting. That diversity in culture and taste in music and, um, outdoor activities and, you know, but with a narcissist, even if they hate nature and they hate camping because of the bugs, if you tell them, oh, I'm a nature freak, I love to go fishing, I love to go camping, I could camp in just a tent for like two weeks in the woods and be content, and your narcissist will say, oh my gosh, so do I, I love nature, it's the greatest thing ever, (laughs) when inside they're thinking, ooh, yeah, that's not going to happen. You might say, I love Thai food. And they'll say, oh, yes, me too. I love Thai food. What's your favorite? And you could name your favorite Thai dish. And they'll say, no way, that's my favorite too. When in reality, they've never even tried it. Um, But you won't see that in the beginning because you have a good heart. You're honest. And you're not, you know, you're not scouring somebody for lies. You're, You're trusting. So don't feel stupid. Um, don't feel stupid. Um, so number two, we have the same hopes and dreams. So this person will consume your life. They'll also take over your whole future. And to raise the stakes in the relationship, they'll make a lot of long-term promises. Marriage, children, buying a home together. This ensures that you're very, very invested in the relationship. And they'll take this a step further, too. They'll start talking about where you should get married, planning your whole wedding, planning your children, and how you're going to raise them. Um, And if you're in an unhappy marriage, they'll have a plan ready to replace your spouse. So if if you're in an unhappy marriage and confiding in a narcissist, they will sweep you off your feet and tell you what a great husband or wife they'll be to you once you get rid of that spouse. And you'll notice these plans always seem to involve some sort of sacrifice on your end, never theirs. So you will have to sell your home and go buy a new home with them. You'll have to give up visitation with your kids and try to get rid of that child support thing so that you'll have money to go to the Philippines with them for your honeymoon. It's, it's always something. Or if you're not receiving child support, they'll, they'll push you to receive child support so that you'll have more money for them to spend. Um, it's, it's a lot. If you have children that you absolutely love, they'll start to criticize how you discipline your children. They'll start to try to drive a wedge between you and your children. Um, and you may have noticed that if you've been with somebody like that and you have children. Um, number three, they will claim to have the same insecurities as you. Um, they can sense vulnerabilities in a millisecond. They can read you like a book the second they see you. Predators are very good at this. Um, they'll mirror all of your insecurities so that you'll have sympathy for them and try to heal them. Um, empathic people are not attracted to blatant ass kissing over confidence. You're attracted to innocent, sympathetic people. This increases exponentially when you also recognize their insecurities as your own. You see someone feeling inferior and you believe you know how to make them feel better because you experience it too. So the narcissist is like no one else because they genuinely seem to adore all of your efforts. They compare you to their exes and they say how much better you are than all of their exes. They'll tell you they never loved any of them, but they love you. For the first time in their life, they're in love. And it's like all of your energies finally have a purpose after probably being frustrated with... uh, complaints from others in other relationships 
this guy has no complaints or this girl has no complaints. Suddenly you're with somebody who's just praising you left and right and not criticizing you like people in the past might have. So it's like a dream come true. Number four, you are beautiful. They're obsessed with how you look. And you'll never meet another human being who will comment so frequently on your clothes and your hair and your nails and your shoes and even what kind of car you drive. Um, It's insane. It's just insane. So then they'll tell you they've never felt this way in their whole life ever, ever, ever. And you're the most perfect, most flawless, most amazing person in the universe. So people do fall in and out of love, okay? People will find new love before and after relationships come to an end, unfortunately. People cheat on each other. Um, this next section is is not about those everyday occurrences, no matter how heartbreaking and unfair it is. Um, instead, this is describing a very specific set of patterns and behaviors that narcissists will use in order to torture and control their target, right? So, like most predators, they want power and control. They want to dominate their partner sexually, emotionally, and physically. They exploit vulnerabilities. That's why they love bomb you in the beginning. And this is why it's so damaging when bystanders might say, well, why didn't you just leave? You never enter a relationship with a narcissist expecting to be abused, belittled, and criticized. You were tricked into falling in love, which is the strongest human bond in the world, and narcissists know this. So, how do they maintain such a powerful bond over their targets? One of their favorite methods is through triangulation. This term, survivors usually equate it with the next target, but this is not always the case, okay? Narcissists use triangulation on a regular basis to seem like they are in high demand and they keep you obsessed with them at all times. This can occur, this triangulation can occur with your family, with their family, with your friends, with their friends, and even with ex-partners. The triangulation can be with their next intended target, their partner-to-be, and even with complete strangers. Their ability to groom us is unmatched. They feel intense euphoria when they turn people against each other. They love drama, especially when it's in a competition for them. They'll manufacture situations to make you jealous and question their fidelity. In normal relationships, people go out of their way to prove that they are trustworthy, but the narcissist will do the opposite. They're constantly suggesting they might be pursuing other options or spending time with other people. So you can never settle down into a feeling of peace and trust. And they'll always deny this too and tell you you're crazy when you bring it up. The issue here is that you've, you're accustomed to such a high level of attention after they love-bombed you that it feels extremely personal and confusing when they direct that attention elsewhere and they know this they will forget plans with you suddenly they'll spend a few days with friends that they always complained about to you they'll ignore you and spend more time with their family when they initially told you they were all horrible people they'll seek sympathy from an ex when a member of their family dies and they'll explain that they just have a special friendship that you wouldn't understand Often, if not always, that ex is someone they first claimed was unstable to. (coughs) They seek attention and sympathy and solace from people who are not you. As an empathic person and as their partner, you rightfully feel that they should be seeking comfort in you. You've always healed them in the past, so what's different now? They once claimed they were a broken person and that you were the reason they were happy again. But now they turn a private friendship or a past relationship that you could never understand into the new source of healing. And they'll always make sure to shove it in your face too. So the next topic is social media. Technology. These days it is, it is so easy for a narcissist to manipulate you with triangulation through social media. 
they'll accidentally upload a photo album where they're embracing their ex that they claim to hate. They will um, befriend all of their female or male coworkers, you know, and comment on all of their pictures, how beautiful they look, how hot they are. But then when you upload a picture or a selfie, they don't comment on yours. They don't even click the like button. And you start seeing that they're saying odd things to coworkers, such as, oh, this picture is tasty like a caramel macchiato. And you're thinking, good Lord, what's going on there? You know? And then if you ask them about it, they tell you you're crazy and insecure. Um... So social media is a big triangulation factor. Um, They'll post ambiguous statuses in songs and videos suggesting maybe they're breaking up with you. And when you talk about it, of course, you're being ridiculous. Um, It'll leave you feeling unhinged and anxious and maybe even jealous. And it also makes the competing party feel confident, loved, and special. So they're grooming others as they erode your identity, like uh, killing two birds with one stone. Um, They want you to confront them. This is the gotcha game, people. They want you to confront them because then you appear crazy and jealous. And they'll calmly provide a really stupid excuse for everything. And then they'll blame you. You can't prove they're luring in their ex because of a song they posted. You can't claim he was flirting uh, with the caramel macchiato comment because it's a co-worker who has a boyfriend, so you're ridiculous. Um, and then they're very skilled at surrounding themselves with givers, insecure people who are very codependent and find self-worth in taking care of other people. This is why your giving seems so insignificant and replaceable during the relationship. Um, You are replaceable. They could just as easily drop you and pick up somebody else as they could throw a rock in a river and it wouldn't even phase them. In fact, most of them are already replacing you with somebody else while they're still in the relationship with you. And they're promising that person that you'll be gone soon because they don't care. They don't care about you or the other person. They just need a fresh audience. You know, maybe maybe they've told you their life story and all of their claims to fame and you're bored of hearing it over and over. So they need a fresh audience and that becomes their new target because that person's fascinated by their lies and suddenly they're in love with that person. So um, the triangulation is never ending with these people. Um, The final triangulation happens when they make the decision to abandon you and discard you and throw you out like a dirty diaper. And that's when they begin freely talking about how much this relationship hurts them, how unhappy they are, how they don't know if they can deal with you anymore. They usually mention talking to a friend about your relationship, going into details about how they both agreed that your relationship was not healthy. In the meantime, they've been blatantly ignoring frantic messages from you. You might text them and say, I love you. And they might text back, thank you. uh, If they text you back at all. You can text them three or four times a day and get zero response. When you ask them about it, they'll say, oh, uh, my phone was off. Or, oh, and you know it's not true because they're always on their phones. Um, You'll be sitting there wondering why they are not talking to you about the concerns in your relationship. And the reason is they've already made the decision to dump you. So they're just torturing you, really. They're looking for advice from other people who they know will agree with them. And after the breakup, they'll openly brag about how happy they are with their new person. And it will be quick. When you move out the next day, they're going to have that new person moved in. And they're going to say, oh, we're in a relationship on Facebook. And they're going to brag about, they're going to tell this person how they've never loved anyone. It's going to be the same spiel on this person that they used on you. And if you try to warn this new person, they've already been told you're crazy. So they're going to treat you accordingly. So don't even go there. Um, 
Exes who stay strung along don't understand that they're puppets to the narcissist. They feel that they're fulfilling some sort of beautiful duty as a friend, someone who'll always be there for them. They don't understand that they're just a flying monkey at the narcissist's disposal to stir up more drama. So you should never resort to calling yourself crazy. And it's hard to do when you have a subtle covert narcissist abusing you with crazy making, gaslighting, word salad type stuff and the and the triangulation. It's so toxic. Um so the detective rule in the psychopath free book is if you feel like you need to play detective don't waste your precious time and energy sweetheart just go just go because you're going to find you might not find anything and then you might find something either way it'll get you nowhere this person will not admit to anything if you present facts photos they might admit it but they'll turn the blame around on you somehow and it's not worth it if you feel that you've been cut off emotionally sexually and everything else and you suspect they are cheating on you and you want to play detective don't do it just leave because that is your beautiful gift of intuition that's your soul that's your guardian angel telling you the truth don't ever doubt it it's never wrong So every single time you remove a toxic person from your life, you'll find anxiety bubbling up. And some of us are better at judging ourselves than others and it gives you a chance to put the anxiety to use. You can decide whether or not you like the way you feel around somebody. Nobody can tell you your feelings are wrong. Remember, that's your soul. Your soul is honest. Your limbic system, as you'll learn from Joe Navarro and his books, does not lie. So, the way to know if you're around a narcissist is how do you feel? Do a body scan on yourself. How do you feel physically? How do you feel emotionally? Do you feel drained, tired, and sore all over? Or do you feel energized and young and perky, you know? That's, that's a big key factor in knowing if you're around one of these toxic monsters or not. And an, another, another key factor, they talk about themselves constantly. You, no matter what you say, they'll figure out a way to redirect that conversation to something about them. You could say, I drank a cherry Coke, and they'll say, I remember one time I was picking cherries with this girl. It just, no matter what you say, they'll associate it with something about themselves and they will take over and start talking about themselves. And if they cut you off mid-sentence, they will never, ever, ever say, I'm sorry, what were you saying? They won't do that because they don't care what you were saying. They were just thinking in their head, what more can I tell you about my wonderful self? <laughs> and if you tell them, hey, I'm tired of hearing these stories, they're annoying, <laughs> Just, can we talk about something else, like, in the present instead of your past? They'll get really mad at you. Really mad. And then you'll get the silent treatment, which, that can be a blessing. At least you get some peace for a little bit. But, <laughs> that's, that's just how it goes with these people. Um, and one good question to ask a person, if you want to know if they're a narcissist. What would you, if, if there was something you would say you needed to change or work on about yourself, what would you say that is? And they'll either tell you, well, nothing, I, I'm happy with who I am. Or they'll say, I'm just too giving. I'm always giving to homeless people and I'm always helping people financially. I just give my money away. I guess I need to learn to not be such a generous soul. You know, you'll hear some bullshit like that. Uh, that's a bullshit answer. Um, okay. So, after reading the 30 red flags and hearing the examples and understanding that there is nothing wrong with you, 
you're good at communicating your needs. You're good at being a good listener. You know how to sense other people's needs. You have empathy. You are altruistic and you don't want to have others suffer what you have suffered. So here we go with that. Let that sink in. That is who you are, okay? Narcissists feed on people like you. They'll chew you up and spit you out and leave you a shell of who you once were. You might feel like you'll never trust again. You might feel like you'll never love again. But I'm here to tell you that's not true. You will. There are people you can trust and you will love again because you are a being who is so full of love that you can't help it. So you're going to heal and you will love again. And you are way stronger than you may realize because it takes a hell of a lot to go through what you've been through with a narcissist. It is so taxing. But here you are, breathing, and still here. Kind of makes you a badass, right? It's like you've been through a war and here you are. So now you have a superpower that you never had before because we have to, we can, we can think like, a victim and we can say oh my god I was a victim of a predator oh my god and we can cry and hide and let the anxiety swallow us whole or we can flip the script after we've grieved because you do go through a major grieving process and that's perfectly normal too but once you have completed the grieving process now you have a superpower Your instincts will tell you if somebody is not good. You will have tools to know the 30 red flags. You know you'll be watching for those. And if you encounter somebody who reminds you of your former narcissist, that's it. Bye. And develop a one-strike-and-you're-out policy. One lie, we're done. One time, you hurt me once, shame on you. You hurt me twice fuck off and die, right? Get them out of your life. Don't keep them in your life. Don't give second chances to people who don't deserve it. You are worth so much more. And if a if a person's going to hurt you or lie to you, they have issues and you don't need that. No thank you. We've already been there, right? So remind yourself of that when you start feeling down, when you start getting upset. You are a good person. You have a good heart. It's not your fault you were duped by a monster. So now let's move on to um, codependency. Codependency is like a terrible, debilitating disease in which we just never seem to get our needs met. And there are different um, patterns of codependency. So some of them cause us to be more controlling. Some of them cause us to be more mousy and quiet and trying to appease people. There are different levels of codependency. So codependency. It's a dysfunctional relationship that is dysfunctional in nature, whereby one or both parties enables behaviors such as irresponsibility, learned helplessness, addiction, underachievement, and or poor ability to self-care. People with codependency usually have very poor self-care routines. They sacrifice themselves in order to make everybody else happy And they give more than they have to give so that others get their needs met. And it's not cool if if you're you're a codependent person. Stop it. (laughs) So um, being codependent means that you have neglected yourself. And it's time to develop a good self-care routine and very beautiful boundaries. Um, That's going to get you on your way. And that's also going to arm you against these narcissist people too. They hate boundaries. They will 
they will take every one of your boundaries and trample all over them. And it's up to you to stand firm and say, oh, uh uh-uh. If you can't respect my boundaries, I have no respect for you. Go away. So, uh, you know, not, not understanding that in the beginning when they're love bombing you. They trample all of your boundaries right in front of your face and you don't see it because you're in love and you don't feel like it's a violation of a boundary because you're so open with them. But then later when you try to reinforce a certain boundary, they laugh at you like, what boundary? You're ridiculous. I own you. I own all your stuff. I own everything about you. You have no boundaries with me. They hate that. So when you strengthen your boundaries, it helps to shield you from these people too. Um, so some of the beliefs of a codependent person versus a healthy person. A healthy person would say, I am responsible for my own behavior as others are responsible for theirs. A codependent person would say, I and only I can save this poor suffering soul. A healthy person would say, I love and accept myself the way, I do, the way that I am. Codependency would say, I am only worthwhile if I'm helping other people. Codependency would say, it's selfish if I practice self-care. Healthy person would say, I'm no good to anybody if I don't practice good self-care. So you have to put yourself first. And that might be tough. And the first boundary you might want to set is, is one around your peace of mind. Anything that would disrupt your peace of mind, don't let it into your bubble, basically. So if somebody's lying, if somebody's dramatic, if um, somebody just makes you uncomfortable, you get that gut feeling, I don't like you, yet their words and actions seem to be kind, but you're still feeling not right around this person, your limbic system doesn't lie. So set that boundary. Don't let them cross. Um... And if somebody is being toxic towards you, you can set that boundary with them and say, you know, I've worked really hard to um, get my life into a healthy place and I just cannot accept the behavior that you're exhibiting towards me. So either that has to change or we can't hang out. So if it's somebody who gossips all the time, you know they're going to gossip about you if they're gossiping to you. Um let them know. I think gossiping is toxic. I like you. You're cool. But I think gossiping is toxic. So I don't want to hear it. So if you're going to keep gossiping like that, then I'm going to have to limit the time I spend with you because being around that is unhealthy for me. So, or if you struggled with addiction and you've been clean for a long time and somebody whips out some cocaine, you're going to have to set a boundary immediately and say, oh no, not cool, I can't be around that, and if you're going to do that, then we can't hang out, sorry, I like you and all, but that's not, that, no, that can't happen, um, and it, it feels, it doesn't feel good to tell people no, it doesn't feel good to set those boundaries in the beginning, it'll, it'll make you feel nauseous, almost, you'll feel your heart flush, (laughs) you'll feel your face flush, it feels, horrible because when you're codependent you want to please everybody you really do so when you first start telling people no so that you can protect your own peace of mind some people will hate it and they won't talk to you anymore they will leave your life and that right there is a blessing because if somebody can't respect your boundaries then they don't belong in your life We need people who support us and lift us up and love us genuinely. And if somebody loves you genuinely and you set a boundary with them, they will respect it. And they will respect you more. So you can set boundaries around time, money, your body, your intellect. What else? Your peace of mind. Um... You know, time boundaries are are really important because you have to practice self-care. You have to make time for that, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're planning, okay, I'm going to do some self-care on Friday. I am going to go get my nails done. 
and take a little walk on the bike trail and maybe sit down under a tree and read a book for 30 minutes. And then somebody calls you and says, hey, what are you doing Friday? And you say, oh, I have plans. And they say, well, I need you to watch my kids because I need to um, go on a vacation with my husband. So I'm going to need you to watch the kids. I'll pay you. It's not a big deal. And then you say, well, no, I can't because I have plans. And they say, what are your plans? What's so important that you can't watch my kids? Well, right there you're being disrespected because you already said no and they're pushing. So at that point you do not owe an explanation. You simply say, look, I said no. You know, maybe next time, but this time, no. I gotta go. I got things to do. Bye-bye. So... It doesn't feel good. You might even cry. You might even hang up the phone and cry. You'll feel bad. You'll feel guilty. But let those feelings pass because that's a healthy thing to set boundaries. It just doesn't feel good. So do me a favor and grab a pen and some paper and let's do a little assessment. And if you would like for me to email you this assessment, I can. Um, Just email me on my website, www.elizabethlmft.org. If you would like to download it yourself, it's from the Mental Health America of Northern Kentucky and Southwest Ohio. And it's www.elizabethlmft.org capital M, capital H, capital A, and then lowercase N-K-Y-S-W-O-H dot org. And it's the uh, Friel Codependency Assessment Inventory. So, question one. I make enough time to do things for myself every week. True or false? Question two. I spend a lot of time criticizing myself after an interaction with someone else. True or false? Question three. I would not be embarrassed if people knew certain things about me. True or false? Number four. Sometimes I feel like I just waste a lot of time and I don't get anywhere. True or false? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Number six, or sorry, number five. I take good care of myself. True or false? Number six, it is usually best not to tell someone they bother you. It only causes fights and everyone gets upset. Is that true or false? Number seven, I am happy about the way my family communicated when I was growing up. True or false? Number eight, sometimes I don't know how I really feel. True or false? Number nine, I am very satisfied with my intimate love life. True or false? Number 10, I've been feeling very tired lately. True or false? Number 11, when I was growing up, my family liked to talk openly about problems. True or false? Number 10, oh, I'm sorry. Number 12, I often look happy when I am angry or sad. True or false? 13. I am satisfied with the number of kind relationships I have in my life. True or false? 14. Even if I had the time and money to do it, I would feel uncomfortable taking a vacation by myself. True or false? 15. I have enough help with everything that I must do every day. True or false? 16. I wish that I could accomplish a lot more than I do now. True or false? 17. My family taught me to express feelings of affection openly when I was growing up. True or false?
18. It is hard for me to talk to someone in authority, such as a boss or a teacher. True or false? Number 19. When I am in a relationship that becomes too confusing and complicated, I have no trouble getting out of it. True or false? I sometimes feel pretty confused about who I am and where I want to go with my life. True or false? I am satisfied with the way I take care of my own needs. True or false? I usually handle my problems calmly and directly. True or false? I hold back my feelings much of the time because I don't want to hurt other people or have them think less of me. True or false? Okay, so we're going to stop there because I'm almost out of time. I apologize for that. Add up your trues and add up your falses. So give yourself one point for the number of false answers to the odd number questions and one point for the number of true answers to the even numbered questions. If you have a low score, I didn't give you all the questions, but here's how you score yourself. If you have a very low score, you have little need for concern. If you have a high score, you're codependent. <laughs> okay. So um, there, the audio book that I would like to recommend to anybody who's been in a narcissistic relationship or suspects that you are, it's called The Covert Passive-Aggressive Narcissist. It's written by Debbie Mers, M-I-R-Z. It's on Audible, so you can put in your headphones and listen to it. And it helps you to recognize the traits and find healing after hidden emotional and psychological abuse. Also check out Joe Navarro's book, Dangerous Personalities. His other book, What Everybody is Saying, and check out The Sociopath Next Door and Psychopath Free. And remember, you are a bright, beautiful person full of love. You're not broken. You're not stupid. You're amazing. And you deserve love, respect, and honor. So raise your standards higher, write out a list of your ideal partner's traits, and when you move on, accept nothing less than 100% of what you deserve. Thank you for tuning in. Please like and share my podcast, subscribe to my podcast, and continue using your therapy tools every single day because practice makes perfect. And I will talk with you again on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful day. Thank you.